This is O Ship, the show where experts and leaders look back at their biggest moments of failure just so you can avoid making them. And there is no one better to squeeze the naked truth out of our charismatic guests than your host, Chameleon Collective Founding Partner, Freddie Laker. Hi, everyone, and welcome to this week's O Ship. This week, I've got a great guest on called Josh Frazier. Now, if you haven't run into Josh before, you may have heard of some of the companies he's been involved in. He's the co-founder at Origin Protocol, which is a very, very interesting uh, blockchain business we're definitely going to dive into today. He is the co-founder of uh, Price Slash, which is a bill-lowering platform that was sold to Bill Shark. Yeah, he was the co-founder at DIN, a meal kits company. He was the co-founder and CEO of Torbit, which was like a web performance startup that got sold to Walmart Labs, and even the co-founder and CTO at an event management tool company called EventView. Uh, needless to say, the guy's a great serial entrepreneur and also a very prolific early stage advisor and investor. So just a little bit more about Origin Protocol. Uh, so they've actually been bringing NFT and, and DeFi uh, to the masses or decentralized finance if you don't uh, spend a lot of time in the blockchain or crypto world. Uh, Origin has actually powered multiple record-breaking NFT sales for top creators, including Blau's $11.7 million NFT sale in the last couple of years and the highest grossing viral video NFT sale of the ever-classic important internet classic, Charlie Bit My Finger. That's like the Mona Lisa of internet memes, if you're not aware. Uh, what I really love about Josh, though, and, and why I wanted him to be on our ship today is because he just worked across so many different types of technologies as, as both a CEO, a co-founder, and a CTO. And I think he really knows what it means to lead with technology. And I don't, I don't mean just being a CTO as a literal technology leader, but in terms of taking new technologies and, and trying to innovate as both a leader and an, an entrepreneur. And so when you do that, there can be quite some twists and turns, which makes him a perfect candidate for O-Ship, which is why today's episode is called The Ups and Downs of Leading Through Technology. So here we go with another week of O-Ship. Josh, welcome to Ocean. <laughs> I love that intro. Thank you so much for having me on. I, I, I will. I have to pat ourselves on the back. The, the, the poop effect at the end is is just a nice, it's, it's classy perfect. touch. It's perfect. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, and I can listen to that guy say Ocean all day, frankly. So. <laughs> I love it. Uh, I love I'm it. Re really looking forward to having you on today. Uh, you just come across as a really, really smart and charming guy. And, and uh, I'd, I'd love just to start off. I tried to give you uh, do, do your background justice, but could you give uh, just kind of a brief intro to our, our audience and have them get a sense of, of kind of get, getting to know you a bit better? Yeah, sure. Uh, so I grew up in, in Glasgow, Scotland, uh, and, and then teen. studied computer science in college. And pretty much figured out that I, I was unemployable, and so I'd have to to work for myself. Uh, and so I've been pretty, <laughs> yeah, have authority issues, not good at having a boss, and realized I'd have to have to start out on my own. And I've been building tech startups ever since. Uh, and so you ran for the list there, but uh, started doing uh, EventView, which is a, a social network to help people meet and network around conferences. Torbit, which is performance optimization uh, tool that would automatically like, speed up websites. We worked with companies cool. like 
like Microsoft and Intel and Johnson Johnson and you know big e-commerce sites yeah. um, sold up to, to Walmart Labs. Got into food delivery, uh, kind of like plated or blue apron kind of uh, business doing that. And then short stint with the, the bill negotiation business you brought up. Uh, that, was, yeah, yeah. that was a pretty random, uh, you know, bootstrap business, but you know, learned, learned a lot about what I don't like to build. Uh, what types <laughs> of companies are, are not fun and that, you know, managing a, a call center of people is not, not my cup of tea at all. Yeah. And then getting into crypto, of course. And, um, you know, the, the last five years building building Origin have been sort of a wildest roller coaster of all uh, out of everything okay. I've done in my career. Uh, uh, given that it's the wildest roller coaster, uh, I, I'm <laughs> going to save the Origin stuff for a little bit later in this episode, sure. just because I, I know there's just so much to unpack there. Let, let's start with some basic stuff. You know, you, you've established you've got a really deep background in technology. What's the best part about being a founder with a deep technology background? Well, technology gives you leverage. Uh, so I think one thing I think about a lot is just this limitation we all have as humans, which is we all only get 24 hours in a day, seven days in a week. And so no matter how hard you work, there's only so much you can do. Even if you're the smartest person, hardest working person, you're still, you still have that one X constraint that you just can't be that many places at one time. It's just so many, there's only so many emails you can physically type or respond to or decisions you can make. And so you're looking for a way to get leverage and break that threshold. And there's a lot of different ways you can do it. But technology is my, my favorite way, which is you can sit there at a computer, you can write some code, and you can reach millions and millions and millions of people uh, with just the, the code that you're writing. We've seen this over and over again with small teams being able to do, you know, just accomplish just incredible things, right? I think that's... Is, is code, team was, a, little, a little superhuman sometimes then? Uh, well, you don't, you don't necessarily get that on day one, right? Most of the yeah. code you write doesn't get seen by anyone, and it doesn't. Okay. But it, it has that potential uh, okay. to 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 be big. And it's not the only way uh, of getting leverage, right? Hiring people is another one. Investing capital is another. Yeah. And so you know, there's other things that I'm not as good at, right? Being a man, you know, being a manager is not my favorite thing, uh, but it gives me that leverage, right? And so yeah. you know, I, I I do it as sort of a necessary evil to break free of that 1x constraint that I'm trying to get past. Because for people like us that have big ambitions and want to accomplish as much as they can for the short time we have here on the planet, that's kind of the name of the game. How do we get as much as much leverage as possible? And that's what, that's what I love about Never technology. enough time. <laughs> so, <laughs> Never enough time. So, so uh, you, you, when you think about being a, a technology leader, so a leader, I mean, again, you're a leader on many levels, but you kind of came up through that call it like technology track. I can see how a lot of times that's led you to success. When is coming up through the, uh, you know, being kind of a technology born leader, when has it not worked for you? Like, has it ever led you astray to be so technology centric, if that makes sense? I, I want to say no, uh, but I, I'm not sure. Yeah, I want to say no. I think usually technology is good. I think one thing I had to learn, and a lot of technologists go through this, is that just having a best product, just having a best technology isn't always enough. And so you can start with that. But then if you're, if you don't figure out how to sell it, if you don't sell it on market, if you don't understand business, if you don't understand how to get investors, it doesn't matter. Right. And so mm -hmm. thankfully a lot of that stuff came pretty intuitively to me. I, yeah. I had a pretty, pretty natural knack for business and understanding it, but uh, there's, there's certainly parts that I had to, had to learn. Yeah. I knew the technology stuff, but the, some of the, the other skills 
were just as critical, maybe probably more more critical in a, in a lot of ways than, than just the, the technology. You know, we we just had an opportunity to meet you know just now, and I think sometimes when I meet technology leaders, they are so switched onto the kind of technology track that they struggle a little bit on the human side, so to speak. And <laughs> it seems like you've got a really you know good feel for that side of that. Do you, do you is that fair? And do you think that makes you a little different than some technology leaders out there? Uh, well, businesses are about people. There is everything about people. It's the best part about business. It's the worst part about mm-hmm. business. It's the hardest part about <laughs> business, but, but by far. Uh, and so I wouldn't say I'm I'm like good at it, but I'd say it's something I actively work at and think about on how to be how to be more persuasive, how to be a better manager, how to you know take things really really seriously when an employee you know brings up something that's bothering them. And mm-hmm. as an entrepreneur, your natural instinct is to say. That's that's so silly. That's so minor. Why are you wasting my time with this? Yeah. Be an adult. Don't worry about it. Right. <laughs> but I've learned. I've learned that someone, if someone's not happy, you treat that as like an existential threat to your company, right? <laughs> like you, you figure it out. It might not be. It might be. You know, their, their role isn't that significant. It's okay. But like, you treat it as a major issue because if you let those things foster, it can become this mm. this much much bigger problem later on. I also feel like a lot of people sometimes get lost on this this concept of, as, and again, I don't want to overly stereotype, but I see it a little bit more with technology leaders and let's say maybe a sales or marketing leader, where you're understanding that getting people, like making sure people are happy, that they're passionate, that they're rallying, like you get so much more out of your team when everyone believes. And so the human element is 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 really is really a big part of it. So I want to I want to jump to uh, a quote that you have it listed on both. Your LinkedIn and pinned on your on your Twitter account, and it says, and I'll try and repeat this back accurately. Given the choice to work on a crazy big idea or a modest idea, pick the crazy one. It will be roughly the same amount of work and way more fun. So I have to ask, uh, what's what's been your biggest craziest idea? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so by far, it's Origin. Uh, origin was kind of like the most audacious idea that I've had so far and it was like this is this is a lot right like I, I don't know if we can pull this off but 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 the thing about it like the, the guy is working at the corner store uh, is working longer hour, or just as many hours as I am right Mo- moving boxes ordering stuff grueling work right and so you know you'll put in just as much effort for these yeah. for these businesses that have at best case you know, modest outcomes. So, so if you're going to be spending your time on that, you might as well swing for the yeah. fences. You might as well go for the kind of the biggest opportunity possible. But then I gotta, I gotta ask the second part of this question: If, if origin is the craziest, has it been the most fun? Is the is the quote is the quote still accurate? I the, guess the, the, the quote is 100 percent accurate. Uh, awesome. Has been ha, has been for me. Now we now we now we had to pivot. Yeah, I'm sure it could be hard and fun at the same time. Yeah, no, I mean, the point being is that the crazy idea that we set out for turned out to be a little too ambitious, uh, and we had to reel it back a little bit, but we still ended up in a a good place. Uh, So sometimes, you know, what's the the other quote? Shoot from the sun and at least you land in the stars or something like that. Uh, At least you're landing in. You know, I had my my startup guide that I frequently referenced that, that failed. I always describe it as, you know, arguably the most ambitious thing I ever tried to do. 
maybe two of their ships. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's easy to do with, uh, with the crazy stuff. So I can, I, 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 I get it. That's awesome. Uh, well, again, like I said, I'm gonna go, we're going to go back even more into origin uh, in, in a moment. So as you touched on earlier, you, you, your first kind of serious business was when you co-founded EventView, the event, uh, event and social kind of uh, social engagement within you know, events. You've obviously come a long way through many companies, both your own and advising and investing in others. What would you say the biggest thing that's changed about you as a leader in the last 10 years is? Like, how have you evolved? I think we, we, you know, we talked about a little bit of the way I interact with people. Uh, and mm-hmm. I think when I, when I look back at all my success that I've had so far, it's all because of our other people around me and the, the, the network that I have. And so I think I've, I, I didn't really understand that starting out, right? I thought that when I started out, I thought it was, you know, because I was so smart, the technology I was building was so good. And then over time, I realized that every big break I've gotten has been from someone else, right? Someone else helping, like writing that check, believing in me, making that key introduction at the right time. You know, someone just giving me an idea that I was able to, you know, connect with another idea and that became the, the seed of something, something huge. And so I put a lot more value in that network and curating that network and building those and really valuing it and, and really view that the, the network I have as, as really critical to the success. And then just the way I interact with people as well, of just like realizing that um, businesses are all about people and becoming a master of human relationships is really pretty, pretty critical to running a business. I have to ask more uh, on the human relation side of it then, because I'm really intrigued by this. So, you know, typically you you acknowledge yourself as a, as a co-founder in, in all the businesses you've been in. What are the kind of typical, you know, partners that you try and surround yourself? I don't mean like by name, but like, you know, what are the roles that you look for when you say, hey, when I, when I add a little bit of that spice to my, my spice, I'm, I'm, looking, I'm looking pretty good. Yeah. Well, typically, I mean, business are really hard. And so I highly encourage people to to have a co-founder. They're, even with a co-founder, they're incredibly hard, incredibly lonely at times. And, and so I, it's it's good to have someone there with you that's, you know, got shared shared financial interest in, in whatever it is you're trying to do. You're looking for people who are like really smart, really driven. And it's important that you get both, right? A lot of times the smartest people are lacking motivation or people are, you know, if you had to choose between the two, I'd choose motivation over smart even, right? Like you want someone who's like really, really driven. Yeah, I agree. And and then you want someone who's very ethical and loyal and you want someone that, you know, has your back and you're not, you're not questioning whether they're going to screw you over first chance they get. And you're, when you're running a business together, there's like a million little ways to screw each other over, each other over in big and small ways. Right. And so you really just want to know someone that, the person you're working with, like loyal to you to, uh, to to the end, and then you know it's it's great if you find someone who's who's complementary uh, and good at the stuff that that you don't like to do. Right? And so for me, it's like the finances, the bookkeeping, like all that stuff. I'm just like I hate it, right? But my my yeah. co-founder is great at that stuff, right? Is <laughs> but he's, he's I, I wouldn't say he loves it, but he's he's willing to do it, right? He's he's, he's like better at it than I am. Uh, and so finding that, that partner who's willing to complement you in those areas is, is really beneficial as well. Do you, do you mind me asking, are you, uh, are you married? I am not. 
Uh, just, uh, just to, just to my, just to my uh, co-founder, my business co-founder. <laughs> I was, was going to ask you what's what's harder, mar- marriage or uh, mar- you know harder to find a great great uh, wife or find a or a significant other or you know harder to find a great uh, great business partner. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I will, you know, I'll say, I'll say this. So my my co-founder Matt, I've said this publicly many yeah. times. Like I want to work with him for the rest of my life. Like the the partnership, business partnership we have, it's is I, so I so good. And soulmates, uh, business soulmates. Yeah, it's it. it's uh, you know, but the business partners that I worked with in the past were great. Uh, loved them; they were good. But uh, we didn't have that same sense of magic chemistry where it was like this. It, you know, uh, two plus two equals five kind of uh, okay. fireworks. Yeah. And so we, you know, we often people often relate a, a business partnership to marriage. And you know, it's sort of I that's kind of a, the the bar for me of what I'm looking for in a marriage of like. Someone that I feel so confident and so clear about, but hey, this is this is right. This is exactly uh, the person I want to spend the rest of my life with. I got bad news for you, by the way. So when you said you have a little bit of a problem with authority, I like have a major problem with authority <laughs> when I'm un- unemployable. But my my I'm, my wife is definitely my boss. I don't know what happened or how it happened, but I'm so woke by her. It's terrible. I know she's going to watch this eventually and just be herself. Uh, but yeah, it's it's just I don't know what happened. And the worst, I always say my my wife is half Italian, half a Salvadorian. She's literally half my size, and I'm terrified. <laughs> and, and so uh, I don't know what happens. So maybe that maybe 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 one day you'll you'll find that significant other, and it will not. It'll be very different to your 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 work soulmate, so to speak. So very uh, very funny. Well, let me let's ju- let's jump around a little bit. Uh, you know, I've mentioned multiple times now that uh, you uh, you've advised quite a few companies, you've invested in, in quite a few companies. What are outside of Origin Protocol? Because we're going to go save that that again. What are the technologies or even maybe investments that you're involved in? But just like it's outside of that that you're that you're really excited about as a technology leader. Yeah, so I do. I do a lot of tech advising and, and investing. Some of the bigger ones, Solana was, was one of the bigger companies I'm advising, yeah. and they've done done extraordinarily well and, and taken quite a beating uh, in the last few days over the, the FTX stuff. But uh, so that's so, so that's one. A lot of opportunities just in, in crypto because that's that's my industry. So I have um, more deal flow there uh, than than in most spaces. But some of the stuff I'm, I'm really interested in are the things that are in tech, but you know, outside of crypto, things that are you know really big bets that who knows if they'll, they'll work out or not, right? So I'm an investor in in Boom, uh, Supersonic. They're trying to bring back Supersonic Light, which which who doesn't want that? And you know, I, take, I, I did the, I did the Concord once when I when I was 13. Uh, wow, and, how uh, was that? It, uh, I my father was in the aviation business and pulled some strings, and I actually got to be in the cockpit for takeoff uh, when they when they wow. did it. It was it was it was pretty amazing, actually. It, uh, strangely enough, it's the only plane I've ever thrown up in. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh ship, I guess. Uh, yeah, it was it was it, you know the plane doesn't have very big wings, so the turbulence was pretty was pretty could be pretty extreme on it. And oh, you know, I think we did a couple like, you know, hundred foot up and down jumps along Ooh. the way. Uh, but, it, but it was awesome. I mean, you know, it's, you so I, I guess I've flown first to the speed of sound, which is, is pretty cool. And I, and I could not be more excited about uh, Boom. Uh, so I think that's really cool that you're involved with them. Well, it's, I, I, you're the only person I know that, um, at least I know of that has, has flown on Concord. 
hopefully we've gotten the kinks out of it as far as the, the turbulence and stuff like that. <laughs> no, nah, I mean, it, again, I think it was, it was, I think we were flying into DC at the time and it was snowing and uh, yeah, a little rough, but anyway, that, that's yeah. awesome. A- any yeah. other tech that you're like, you're super jazzed about? There was a company that uh, is doing like veggie, veggie bacon. Uh, I think yeah. this is, you're probably going to be a big category in the future. Uh, I love meat. I eat, I eat meat all the time. And this, this, this bake is made out of uh, mushrooms, but it, 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 tastes, it tastes really good. If, if you didn't feel like losing the experience, like, you know, even like the lab grown meat and things like that, like, I think if, if it tastes the same, like, I don't, I, I think I prefer it not to come from a, a, an animal. If I, if, if I not, if it doesn't change the experience, like, what's the problem? Yeah, but for me, I, I think it's going to be. I think of it more from an economic perspective, which is if we if we get rid of the corn subsidies in America, then the price of meat would be like you know two or three times higher than what it is. Uh, and so, if you look at you know, so I, I don't know if that's going to happen, but you know, it sort of makes sense that you would go into a McDonald's and you would have a hamburger there for twenty dollars. That's with real meat. Or here's one for four dollars with, you know, the, the replacement meat. I, I think people are going to choose the, the cheaper, cheaper version. Yeah, and, and it tastes good. If it tastes the same, right? Mm-hmm. As long as it, as it tastes good. So I think we'll, I think we'll get there. Maybe, maybe not in the U.S., but like around the world. And, and there are a lot of people who do care about I, that. I think that the, the answer is is time. You know, it will. It's it's not it's not a matter of oh, you know, if. I think this is a time thing, and a lot of it is about generational change. You know, I still got you know uh, my my mother and my father in law like they're like hell no on the electric car even and it's like you know so a lot of that is is, is generational fair enough but I, this this one's going to happen in my opinion especially if we uh, you know population change well uh, I'm going to change gears uh, one more time and before we get into origin uh, I want to ask you an O ship story so it would not <laughs> it would not be O ship. If we didn't ask an O-Ship story, and for those of you joining us for the first time today, a lot of O-Ship is inspired by talking to great leaders like Josh and understanding more about their journey and kind of acknowledging the fact that the path to success is very rarely, you know, a, a, a very quick path from point A to point B. In fact, it's rarely ever a straight line. And so what I'd love to do is talk to leaders like Josh and say, you know, What's what's a story that happened to you maybe along the way in your career? It could have been last year. It could have been 15 years ago where things kind of went wrong and how you maybe dealt with fixing that, bringing it back on track. Sometimes these are startup stories. Sometimes these are like leadership learning stories. And and sometimes these are ship shows that just aren't, you know, I don't know there's a big lesson, but they're they're damn entertaining. And so the fl- the floor is yours, Josh. I'd love to hear uh, a, a great ship, a ship story. If you got one, I have so many, but the, the big <laughs> one. Is, but, we just extended yeah. the episode an hour. Go. Yeah, we'll just we'll spend the rest rest <laughs> of the day talking talking about this. Uh, no, so the end of the big the big one that came to mind was you know end of 2020. So to set some some context, we'd come up with this uh, new product idea uh, for a yield bearing stablecoin. It's, it's known as Origin Dollar today, and the idea is that you can take your money, you can put it in these smart contracts. So you take stable coins, so US dollar pegged stable coins, add them to uh, origin dollar, and then you would earn yield. And then behind the scenes, they would be put into these de- decentralized protocols and decentralized finance 
to to earn yield, and then it would rebase to uh, grow in your wallet. Uh, and so it was a we had this this idea, but no one had done this before, right? But like stable coins existed, DeFi existed, but no one had combined the two ideas into one. Uh, and so we come up with an idea for this, written some some code, we deployed it to uh, the Ethereum network, and we put a big disclaimer on the top of the website. It said, like, we haven't audited these contracts. Uh, we don't know if there, there's bugs in them. You might lose all your money. Like, use at your own risk. Like, these are, like, as an entrepreneur, you're, the biggest question you have in your, is always just like, does anyone I even want this thing? Right. Yeah. Uh, that's the, that's the number one question you have to solve. And so we were get, trying to get the contracts audited, but it took, you know, six months to get on the, the calendar for some of the top auditing firms. So it was just taking a while. And so we just put it out there and people started using it. People started using this thing, even though, you know, we were very up, upfront about the fact that like, we sort of slapped this thing together. This was a, this was a prototype at best. A wee bit experimental. Yeah. A bit, a bit experimental, you know, quite, quite experimental at this, at this point. Uh, and, People started to really like it, right? And so we started. We saw, you know, uh, you know, hundred thousand dollars come in, and we're like, okay, ooh, okay, that's that's some real money. And then next thing we knew is like, you know, two hundred thousand dollars, and then five hundred thousand dollars, and then a million dollars. And we're like, okay, it was like a million dollars in our, our little prototype. And then the next day it was like we would jump from like a million to like three million. And we're like, ooh, okay, and then and then it jumped to like seven million. And we're like, okay, this is. This is that people. We might be on something like seven, seven yeah, yeah, yeah. million, seven million dollars in this thing. Uh, hope it doesn't have any bugs, right? Like this is, this is just like a, <laughs> I mean, just we, like we worked a, on it for at least a week. What could possibly? We, we, yes, <laughs> this is you know like ooh, like we we feel a lot better if this had been you know uh, audited and and uh, mm. spent more time on it. So anyway, we, I was staying in Taiwan at the time, and so my my schedule was just like completely shifted where i'd like stay up most of the night uh working and then um so anyway, i just had a call you know at like four in the morning with my team everyone was excited we've got seven million dollars people are loving the product everything's looking good what should we do next new features uh and then i go to bed and then i wake up you know two hours later and it's just like someone just bang on the door because there was one of my friends was staying in the same place and like you've been hacked. You've been hacked. I'm like what? And you know, crawling out of bed, just like seven million dollars is gone. Oh shit! Right? Like, oh shit! <laughs> oh shit! Uh, oh, seven million dollars is just gone. Right? And we look at the code. Oh yeah, yeah. We refactored some stuff. We left out one line of code, and that 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 one line was was a, a critical one. And so that was you know, incredibly, incredibly hard, right? To to go for that experience as a as a company. And be you know, saying like on one hand, we warned everyone, we were upfront about the state of the code, but this is an experiment. On the other hand, we felt really responsible, right? People trusted us, people gave us their money. And so, you know, I think the conclusion of the story is really important, right? So what what happens, the team really came together. We were immediately you know, very upfront and transparent with our community, told them what happened. And just every step of the way, we're just like communicating, here's what we know, here's what we're going to do. And ultimately, we decided to make uh, everyone whole. Uh, so 
we were fortunately in a position we'd taken enough uh, enough funding we had our own coin we were able to you know repay everyone who'd lost money on that um, we did some with uh, cash and then some with some with our own token uh, and then you know the sort of the, the crazy thing that came out of this was because we paid people back in our token they after you know after all of that everyone who got gotten hacked our, our token appreciated so much in value uh, but everyone ended up, you know, being incredibly happy at the end of it because they, they made so much more money than than what they'd um, than, than what they'd lost. And then, awesome. you know, we're we're completely different. Uh, like our approach to developing smart contracts is completely different today, right? And so, while it was this incredibly horrible, horrible experience, I wouldn't wish on on anyone. The company that we have, the organization I'm leading, and the way we approach security is, is much, much better. Uh, because of how seriously we take it. I would say that was a pretty good lesson that would probably get you to take security pretty seriously. Yeah, yeah. We're on. So now it's like, you know, our security practices are some of the best in the industry. We want, you know, there's a, a company called Insurance that, that has a, like, rankings of different projects in, in the crypto space. And we're one of only six projects to have the AAA security rating. Uh, and it's okay. just because of how seriously we take it now. Because our commitment to each other is, we're never going for that again. Like yeah. that's not that's not an option. Right? Yeah, that's that's not inconsequential. And uh, first off, uh, you know, hats off to you guys for how you handled it. And I think this industry, you know, I think is really craving reputable people that do what they say, follow through, and provide provide stability and leadership. So I think that's awesome, Josh. Thanks, man, for sharing that story and, and being so. Uh, uh, transparent about it. I, I'm intrigued out of interest. Uh, did you bring in like another security lead or did you kind of teach yourself or a bit of both? Like how, how did you guys get so good uh, on the security front? Yeah, it's, it's a, a hybrid, right? So we, we do work with external auditors, but what was, what sort of killed us when we actually reviewed what happened, there was like this, this like long list of if we just invest, this wouldn't have happened. If we just done that, this wouldn't have happened. If we just mm-hmm. done this, it wouldn't have happened, right? If we just had one other person look at the code before we shipped it. If we just had mm-hmm. a checklist to go down the checklist to make sure yeah. Yeah. we we thought about this, we thought about this, we thought about this, mm-hmm. it wouldn't have happened, right? If we if we you know and we had kind of had all these these different things we could have done, and so that was that was largely the, the change was just saying let's mm-hmm. let's just make it harder for us to make mistakes right and so we have mm-hmm. um we use extensive checklists on everything we have every line that could be we ship gets reviewed by you know multiple senior engineers we have external auditors review every line of code we have you know automated test systems that run yeah i mean one of the things one of the things that killed us was like there's free open source tools that we could be have running against our code base that would have alerted us and said hey you have a problem and we didn't have set up right because we, yeah. we, we just didn't think it's it. Like, so. it seems like it's, it's almost just a lot of maturity brought to the organization to bring, you know, I think bringing the discipline that you're seeing in a lot of enterprise organizations. I'd, I'd love to just get your, your feeling for, you know, the, the kind of general state of the blockchain crypto world these uh, days as a, as, a, as a leader in the, in the industry. Yeah, uh, well, the industry is maturing a lot. We've been, you know, crypto's been here for, uh, for quite a long time now, and people people are starting to take it seriously, right? You can't ignore it. You know, first in the early years of crypto, uh, everyone was just ignoring it or didn't didn't take it seriously. Now it's 
they're taking it very seriously and, and regulators are talking about what to do with it and everyone's heard of Bitcoin or uh, crypto and, and it's, it's definitely reached mainstream awareness. You know, but we, we keep having to learn the same mistakes over and over again. Like people who are not aware, like one of the largest exchanges, the second largest exchange in the space, FTX, just uh, imploded. Um, turns out they were, you know, taking customer, or at least it appears that they were taking customer deposits and, and, you know, handing them off to their sister trading firm to make, you know, reckless bets. And, and they, you know, they, they lost some of those bets and, and lost their, their customers' funds to the, to the tune of $8 billion. And how, know, how many billion dollars? Eight, eight, like six to $8 billion. I didn't um, realize it was that bad. I'd heard about it, but I didn't realize the scale of it. Yeah, That's it's, crazy. It's, it's, yeah, it's, it's really, really bad. And, you know, the lesson, you know, crypto is supposed to solve this. Crypto is supposed to be about bringing transparency to the system. So you don't have to ask these questions about what is the bank doing with money? Because we're used to that, right? We know that's what banks are doing, right? You give your money mm-hmm. to the bank. We're going to go and lend that multiple times over. Uh, and that's part of a problem. It's like if, mm-hmm. if those bets go wrong, like, uh, you know, but what, what does that do to the financial system? We've seen how that, that we've seen that story play out before. I mean, I mean, do you so, have, I mean, is there a solution that do you think is out there? I mean, like, I mean, that it to your point, that's kind of the point is that we're supposed to be able to seal this to transparency. You know, how do these things happen and how do, how do we solve that? Yeah, yeah. So, so there is a solution for it. Decentralized finance, uh, is where you're, you know, we can, we can actually store the crypto ourselves. We shouldn't, you know, we can or we shouldn't be holding it on decentralized exchanges. Uh, you can hold it in your own wallet and you can, you can know exactly where it is. Or if you're trading with a counterparty, you can use, you know, these decentralized technologies. Things like Uniswap will let you actually swap from one kind of token to another. And you don't need to give up custody of your assets. You don't need to take the risk of, handing it to, to some person who's going to, some scammer who's going to run off with, with your funds. And so crypto is a solution to this, right? It, it's built mm-hmm. with that. It provides the ability for that transparency. So you don't have to ask these questions. You can see exactly where the funds are. You can know that, that they're safe. And we do, you, know, you don't have to put your trust in any, any government, any corporation, in any one uh, entity. You can just trust in mathematics and the human, you know, the, the incentives that humans are going to continue working in their own selfish best interests. And if you trust those two things, you can have full confidence in exactly what's going to happen in the future. Mm-hmm. What do you think is holding the industry back the, the most right now in terms of, you know, I guess, seeing that future from happening? I think there's a lot of things. One is like the technology is still uh, too hard to use. There's a lot of concepts that, that people aren't aware of or are not prepared for, right? Like manage, being your own bank is not something the average person's ready for, equipped for. Uh, and so there's a lot of like, there's a steep learning curve on uh, how to you know, hold these assets securely and safely. So, so I think that's, that's one thing. And then when you look at what happened with FDX, like these are, this is a non-US exchange, and, but a ton of Americans were using it. And what happened is, because there hasn't been clarity in the U.S. and the U.S. has been made it a very difficult place to operate a business like this, mm. all of the you know all of this uh, has gone overseas to riskier businesses where they're not they're not like you know Coinbase shows 
proof of their reserves. They show that what assets they're holding. Um, they have to report that to the government. And so, you know, I feel pretty good about keeping money on Coinbase. I still mm-hmm. would prefer to do self-custody, but of, of the different centralized options, at least Coinbase is making an effort to, to show that they're, you know, their funds are, are backed one for one and they're, they're, they're sort of a good actor in this space. But, you know, so many, so many businesses were, were pushed offshore where they didn't have those good financial practices and the lack of regulatory clarity here in the U.S. was, was part of that forcing function. And so the SEC and regulators are doing just a, a terrible job on, you know, they're supposed to be trying to keep people safe, but they're, you know, their actions are actually making it, you know, more and more dangerous for, for people to participate in this space. And then, uh, you know, bringing it back to your own, your own business, what do you think, you know, Origin's role in, in shaping the next couple of years is? Well, we're, we're most excited about bringing the next hundred, you know, the next million, 10 million, 100 million people into crypto. And we, you know, we're coming from, you know, our team's coming from, you know, these, these Silicon Valley companies. We spend a lot of time, you know, building these products that have been, you know, have reached hundreds of millions of billions of people. And so we want to bring, take the, all the lessons we learned about how to build user-friendly products. And we want to take that expertise and, and help bring people into crypto. We really see this as uh, something that's, that's, that's really important. How do we give people a way to earn money with Origin Dollar right? or where you can, you know, have something that's uh, uh, much better than, what you'd get with uh, your your bank, a better form of like digital money that you can that you can send, or for NFTs, right? NFTs have become wildly popular, uh, and you know we we have a platform that helps creators who want to sell NFTs and and a marketplace where where people can trade them, uh, and so that's NFTs are another great gateway for people who are wanting to learn more about crypto is often a, mm-hmm. like an easier thing for people to, to get started with and understand, okay, this is, this is a digital property that I, that I own uh, mm-hmm. and I can transfer it to, to anyone I want. Uh, and so our role, I think, is, is bringing mainstream people into, into crypto mm-hmm. and, and educating them along the way. Yeah, for me, uh, you, you mentioned this uh, earlier, like I think customer experience, so to speak, like you know, or user experience, however you want to think about it, is, is certainly one of the big things I think needs to be done. It just, it's not easy enough yet. I, I'm a you know, massive nerd and even it can be a little tricky for me at, at times. Sure. I also think there's a, uh, putting my marketing guy hat on for a second, I think there's a, a communications issue. And I think one of the things, at least when I watch the market, I feel like, or the industry, I feel like uh, you take your, to bring that next 100 million people in, they don't want to talk about the tech. They want to talk about the outcomes. And I think one of the things the industry needs to really work on from, from my point of view, and, I, and I'm an, and I'm an, outs- I'm a, an engaged outsider, let's call it. And I think, you know, getting to a place where it's like too much in the sausage making, if you know the expression, yeah. you know, it's yeah. like, so I think like, I think this is really going to take off when basically they just, you know, it, you're selling the, the value proposition, the stability and transparency, but, you know, calling art, you know, NFTs is not particularly sexy as an example, you know, uh, getting into, I think, some of the finance side of it. And, and it's tricky because I think there's this really engaged group of people in the industry who are so passionate about it. And it's what's it's it's birthing something new. It's so exciting. And then it's like, how do you find these like almost like two layers? 
to let that group of like hardcore people keep talking to each other because they're super geeked out on this stuff and that's great. Yeah. And then like, and then how do you still make it accessible to everyone else at the same time? It's a really interesting challenge. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, one of the challenges is that things can look the same on the surface, but then what's happening underneath is completely different. Yeah. Right. So take, you know, you're depositing your money into FTX, you're giving your money to someone who's ultimately, you know, going to reveal themselves as a scammer. Or you have a, a decentralized version of that that perhaps could look exactly the same as far as the user experience goes, but is a trust trustless piece of code that, that is technically incapable of scamming you, right? Where the code is yeah. immutable, yeah. open source, can't be changed. Yeah. And so what do you, what happens when the user doesn't understand the difference between those two experiences and they look kind of similar enough that they just assume that they're the same? And so mm-hmm. I think that's why there's... You know, I, I very much agree with you of like, we, we'd rather not be talking about the technology and, or, you know, well, this is a blockchain thing or whatever, but actually some of those differences are quite important to yeah, no, right it's now. True. And it's, uh, it would be a great, a great, uh, like I said, a great, it's a great communication challenge, uh, to kind of check both those boxes at the same time. John, I really, really enjoyed today's chat. You're a very smart, very charming guy. You've got a really cool story. Uh, I actually hope we get to meet in person for a beer or dinner one that. day in the future. I would love it. Uh, and, um, but in, in the meantime, for all the other people that have watched and listened today who also think you're a smart and charming guy, how, how, do, they, uh, how do they follow up with you? How do they you know, learn more about you, stay engaged? What's, what's the best place to find you? Yeah, so I'm Josh Fraser, just my name pretty much everywhere. So Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, if you're into that. Uh, just Josh. This is one of the perks of being a tech guy. You, you grabbed all that stuff early and you held on to early it. Early so Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, well, really cool. Uh, and then uh, if they want to visit the company, what's the best web domain uh, to it, check it out? It's just originprotocol.com. Uh, and that's okay. a good landing landing off uh, or, or jumping off point for our two products, Origin Dollar. We talked about it a little bit. It's secure now. Uh, it, we, we're uh, you know, we're <laughs> won't lose our money. Uh, but OUSD.com, that's the ticker if you're interested in checking that out. Uh, and then on the NFT side, uh, story.xyz is the domain there uh, if you want to dive into what we're doing around NFTs. Love it. Really, really great. Uh, again, for those of you listening, thank you again for supporting our ship. Uh, appreciate you tuning in, whether you're watching us live or tuning in on any audio podcasts. Uh, it's really appreciated. You're showing up every week, supports the show. We will always keep this show pure and free of promotion or monetization. This is for people that are uh, leaders or aspiring leaders, whether you're an entrepreneur working in the corporate environment, whatever it is, if you've uh, you've got the guts to go out there and go for it, we want to support you. And we're going to bring other people who have been doing that and they're going to share their stories with you. Uh, so again, thank you to you, Josh. Thanks for everyone who's watching and listening. And we will see you next week on O-Ship. The O-Ship Show is brought to you by Chameleon Collective, where we lead, scale, and adapt to build and grow great companies. You can learn more at chameleoncollective.com. Freddie will see you next time when we will once again be raising the sales for the O-Ship Show.